0: we go i've kicked quentin off i've actually started recording as well brandon just so you know so yeah I'll give it a bit of background we uh, we had a end of year party last night not many of us got much sleep <laughs> was, like, podcasting equipment sacrificed as results i'm sorry about that
1: that's amazing <laughs>
0: thanks thanks for joining us uh, it, i don't know if you remember we've we've met oh Do i don't
1: you? i don't remember when, don't? when was that
0: well, it's kind of strange because when I met you, I said, I know you. And you said, how do you know me? And you were in a hotel in Ottawa about a month ago.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember that running. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, kind of and weird, I, right? Yeah, and I and
0: didn't I, place it at the time. Yeah. And it was like after you kind of walked away, I was like, oh, okay. Because right, uh, I recognized the name and I just didn't tune to it together. So
1: <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Do
0: you want to introduce yourself and sure. uh, just let us know what you do and for the benefit of everyone out eh? there?
1: Fantastic. Uh, yeah, I'm a VP of product at Shopify and I'm also the GM of the platform team. So that's the team that builds and operates our developer platform and builds out our entire partner ecosystem as well.
0: Cool. That's a pretty big role then.
1: Yeah, it's a lot of fun and a lot of chaos. Absolutely.
0: How many reports have you got underneath you then? What's the size of your team?
1: So the team's about 200.
0: Oh wow! Yeah, that's big. Like, how many years have you have you been? Uh, out? four yeah. years, isn't
1: it? Uh, yeah, just uh, about four and a half years now. And you enjoy it? I love it. It's an incredible company. You know, really focused on growing entrepreneurship around the world, and also, you know, it being in Canada is uh, as a Canadian is very important to me, and and also Chapa having really big global ambitions as a Canadian company is as well.
0: It's pretty astonishing to see, really, the growth and. Uh, I know when I was up in Ottawa, you know the talent pool that you're you're bringing to, you know what is not typically seen as being a tech center, right? It's pretty astonishing, really, that uh, people are moving there and you're growing that, you know, inside with the universities. Do you want to talk about some of that and and how you bring that talent up up into Canada? Because obviously, sure. uh it seems it seems like really important to your DNA from what I can see.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. I think uh, what, so. When I joined, we were just about 500 folks, and we're we're approaching. Or just maybe over around 6,000 now. So I joined like right around the time of the IPO. That that obviously, at least in Canada, put Shopify on the map. You know, Very rare we have a tech IPO or really many IPOs at all in Canada, at least that are listed in the U.S. as well. And I think what was interesting is just seeing the arc of our brand and the narrative around our brand evolve over these last four and a half years. We really like Toby always said at the beginning. It's like if we were just based, like take the exact same company, same people, same product, same everything, and if we were just happened to be based in the U.S. when we IPO'd, we'd probably be worth double <laughs> at the time of the IPO, which was really funny, uh, but I think very true. What happened was in the world there there was a big shift towards D2C, to D2C to being direct to consumer uh, brands as something that was just understood as like even a wave in commerce and sort of almost the opposite of where most of the world had been moving over the previous couple decades towards aggregated massive marketplaces like Amazon and the like. From a macro perspective, that was very, a big tailwind for, for Shopify. And then the other side is I think the company itself executed really well. Shopify had a really great product, it still does obviously. And we've been not resting on our laurels and continuing to attack some of the hardest problems in commerce that there are. Shopify opened up so many offices in Canada. So we had like right one thing that's amazing about uh, Shopify is uh, we had at the time of the IPO four Canadian offices: so Ottawa, Toronto, Waterloo, and Montreal. And what's important is. There wasn't like one office that did the product and the rest are sort of sales and marketing, which is typical, I think, of a lot of tech companies. But we really invested in building engineering and all R&D functions uh, so that we could build product in all of those offices. And, and that was a really important piece of our company's like talent strategy. And it enabled, it taught us also to how to operate and collaborate across different offices with distributed teams much earlier than I think most companies at that scale would have been used to. So because of that, we had a pretty broad, I think, talent reach in Canada because we operated in so many different cities. But I would say it wasn't until 2017, really, you know, our stock price had probably tripled, quadrupled by then. And we were growing, we're approaching a billion dollars in revenue. And the media started picking up Shopify more. And that's when I just personally started noticing, like, for the first time, we're we're starting to like, people are really moving, uprooting their lives from all over the world to come to Shopify. You know, the first wave was, uh, we had Canadian, what we call snowbirds that go down to the valley, often from our best engineering schools. And then, you know, 10 years down in the valley, they come, they want to come back home. And, you know, that was like probably the first influx and Shopify was a world-class company they could join back at home. But even more recently, like this year, we've had our first like, Californian natives, like born and raised, worked in tech and in the valley the whole time and, and they're they're uprooting their lives coming to Canada. And it's it's incredible to see. Uh, but I just think it what really resonates with folks is just the mission of our company, the growth that we've had, and and sort of the the ambition, the ambition of what we want to become. We want to really bring in the best talent, and sometimes that means expanding, you know, where they can work from. Now, people work for Shopify all over the world. 24-7, at minimum through our support org. But I think it's when we hit the critical mass of needing an actual like big office and all the operations that come with that, I think that is you know a constant debate and decision we have as the business evolves.
0: And it's interesting as well that you've, you've kind of, you have chosen to sort of bring people into the office, right? So you don't have a lot of remote workers, is that fair to say? Like you tend, you know, because if you look at some of the the newer companies out there, like the tax jars of this world, uh, 37 signals, etc., and moving more to a remote, you know, working and stuff like that. But you guys still like that centralization, even though there are a number of offices. Is that is that a fair statement?
1: I think that, that absolutely that's fair. We, we believe in the merits of, of co-location and being there in real life when it comes to collaboration and team health and speed. It's not, again, like an absolute. Like we absolutely yeah. have teams as well that they're what they're what we call distributed by default. You know, so our international growth team just by definition, should be all over the world. And therefore, that it makes sense for that team to operate in a way that is cutting across literally 10 countries at once and time zones. We believe overall, when it comes to building great product, that co-located teams can can bring out the highest quality and, and at the fastest pace.
0: No, that's great. It sounds like you're taking a pretty pragmatic approach to it. Which I, I think it's similar to us here, where we try and bring people into the the Austin area, but where appropriate, we're taking on remote staff and embracing that. We're not going all one way or all the other way, right? It's about being pragmatic. Exactly. The the training side, I was listening to a podcast with Toby and maybe you could talk to some of that. Because you you know, when you see Shopify at Unite and, you know, when I was up in the offices, I mean it's a it's a very young team overall, right? I don't know what your average age is there, but it's it seems quite a young team. And you see people that are in big positions right at a young age and and that's fantastic to see and you know we try and promote that here ourselves. but I was just wondering on the the training side I saw Toby was talking a bit about using the battering the percentages you know where you Mm -hmm. you kind of build up trust levels with people and I was just wondering like because if you're scaling that fast that you must hit you know training problems or has that been something that you've really had to get right from day one and you've created an approach there that you're now just you know, rinse and repeat and on.
1: There's been an evolution of it. I, I think that at the core of Shopify is sort of this belief in just frankly, just merit and impact and backwards facing growth. So like we have a backwards facing principle when it comes to promotions, for example, where, you know, we, I'm not sure if you ever heard of the Peter principle, but the Peter principle is sort of all organizations promote people up until their incompetence. So it's like, okay, you're doing great, and now I'm going to promote you to a manager, but they didn't actually test, are you a good manager? So they're putting you into a job that is untested, <laughs> right? And, and, and often it works out because people grow, right? And I think that's amazing. A way to counteract that organizational risk is to give people opportunity to demonstrate the next level without necessarily having given them that role or title officially, and then be able to build a backwards-facing case for their promotion. That's like an example of sort of a, a value or a, or a cultural system that we've put in place that allows people to, it, it's interesting, it works both ways because it, it allows people to, to, to always focus on like, well, they have demonstrated this ability, regardless of everything else, their, their experience, their age, their education, whatever it may be. And I think that that is at the core of sort of how Shopify thinks about talent and thinks about careers here. We often say like a career at Shopify should feel like a jungle gym where you're able to have basically 10 different careers within one company. And that's a byproduct of the fact that we really give people opportunities to stretch beyond what they've ever done before, just based on their previous history of being able to learn new things and adapt. And, and because of that, plus all the, the things, all the actual things that we're doing across the business, there's just seems to be limitless opportunities for someone to find the right fit where they're just so amazing and uniquely suited to do the job. So I think that's like a lot of what is the core. And I think the result of that is where we we do have a lot of young leaders here. But then also, especially as we've matured over the last few years, we're bringing in a lot of really experienced folks from all over the world and of all the companies you think that we could pull from and it's interesting to see them adapt to our culture and our and our culture also adapt to the experience and knowledge gained from other companies And, and i think at the end of the day that's what we want we want that sort of that marketplace of ideas about even how to operate ourselves to be really vibrant so that we evolve Shopify into not some mold like Intel or Apple or whatever it may be, but we iterate Shopify and how it works into what works. And, and we have an open mind about how organizations and uh, can function and how careers can grow within that context.
0: It's a marriage, isn't it, that you've got going on? I've, I've definitely seen you guys of late really hiring Um, some very experienced people you know especially around the operational side and and the engineering aspects so as you grow I suppose that the challenges are changing right bringing in both sides of it but I've heard this where some entrepreneurs talk about this and they say that when you go into a new area some people will say well go and do what you know but there was this woman talking about this and she was saying actually go and do what you don't know and maybe that in a way that applies to Shopify's place because you you come in without those preconceptions, so some of that that youth is uh, doesn't have what was there before, and it seems to me that that's one of the the biggest assets that Shopify has is that you are very fresh thinking about what you're doing with the products and where you want to go with the products. Absolutely, I think
1: like ultimately what we're trying to build like our number one, if, if our organizational design and the way we develop people will create one attribute in people that work here, it's going to be resilience and adaptability because that is the thing that is going to be long-term competitive advantage and something we can build the company and grow it on uh, for for 100 years because the world is changing and it's changing at a faster rate so our ability to adapt learn and be resilient to change is really what is going to determine our success in the long run
0: and if we talk a bit about let's sort of move product side and I and I do want to talk about Black Friday. I'm not ignoring that. It's nowhere near the end because I know that's a that's a you've been making a lot of noise on Twitter. Right <laughs> In terms of your merchant base, it's obviously is that changing? You know, like you you come from a very entrepreneurial kind of outlook. The smaller merchant, shall we say? Mm-hmm. You know, where where are you going with that sort of merchant size? What are you looking at around that? And then how does that Impact on the product that you're building and and what you're building for the future. Be interested to kind of understand, that, especially obviously you've launched. What Shopify Plus is what four years old now, three years old. You know you're going at the higher end market there, but be just interesting to know what your ideal merchant profile is and where you're going in the future on that one.
1: Absolutely, we're really invested in growing entrepreneurship in the long run. Entrepreneurship can start. Or uh, at least in so far as an entrepreneur or a merchant joining Shopify can start at any level of scale, so we really don't think it's an either or in terms of like are we going up market or are we going down market or whatever it may be. We really want to build the platform and the product that enables merchants at every stage. Why that's such a challenge is obviously like someone doing a side gig at home needs a certain level of product complexity and a certain smaller set of features to really get started. And you know some of our plus merchants and even people not on Shopify yet that are like the largest companies in the world have incredible amounts of complexity. So you know, our, our strategy for how we actually enable a single product or platform rather to do that is we have a philosophy of like we invest in Shopify of always building what most merchants need most of the time. So the things that permeate scale and permeate time. And I'll give you an example of that, like our product's data model or like how much scale a checkout can handle. Those are things that people will all need 50, 100 years from now. And we always focus on doing that core as incredibly as possible and then making the user experience scale as your business grows. So a smaller merchant may really just need to see like, how to manage their 20 product portfolio and get an online store up and maybe start experimenting with some ads or other types of marketing but then as they grow and they're starting to get hundred orders a day and whatnot this is where the flexibility of shopify is what really enables larger merchants to operate and thrive on the platform and that's a lot of where like my team operates in which is like the flexibility of our platform like we certainly have it. The larger, the larger merchants on Shopify tend to use more apps. They tend to use the API themselves and and do custom integrations to you know bespoke middleware or back office systems that they have. So that's sort of like our approach to how we handle up and down in terms of the, the the spectrum of merchants.
0: So you're looking to allow them to extend it where appropriate and and provide that capability, as opposed to you trying to build that level of complexity into the product. Is that a fair statement?
1: Absolutely. You know, one of the big reasons why is we're trying to help make people successful. It's not just about being an enabling product for a business that's already successful, but if we can like increase the odds of success for a merchant starting out that if they chose another platform, you know, they wouldn't have succeeded. Like that's really how we grow the pie. That's really how we create more entrepreneurship in the long run.
0: When you're trying to deal with this kind of the wider market and what everybody's going to need, you know, you can look at that in, in two ways. One is the, the number of merchants and the other one is the size of the revenue, it seems to me that your actual focus is in the number of the merchants that you can serve. Would that be a fair statement?
1: I'd say in the long run, that's a fair statement. We we, like both matter though, because we never want, we never want, yeah, I mean, for our business, even in the short (laughs) term, but even for those small merchants, even if we were optimizing for those smaller merchants and growing the number of them, our ability to scale, to handle merchants doing billions of dollars a year is vital to them because who wants to join a platform or use a platform that they'll outgrow? Right, so it's just as important for us even to inspire and enable these merchants for their long term ambitions. For us to be able to handle the high end of the market.
0: Yeah, well, right now you're what a million merchants. Yeah,
1: just a couple months ago we we crossed crossed a million.
0: That's a big responsibility you got in your hands. It there, is. Random. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, do you feel that way? I mean, I was out yesterday at my Christmas party and you know, looking around at the team and uh, we're 32 people, right? And I, I feel that weight of responsibility as a CEO, right? You must feel that as well. With the customers, you kind of get to know their stories. You want to help them and you want to build them up, right? And it seems to me that Shopify really is ultimately wants to rise the tide for all of its merchants and, and keep pushing them up and up and up and enable them. Is, is that a fair statement and is that the way you look at it
1: absolutely i think that's that's core to our mission entrepreneurship runs deep in so many ways in shopify I'll, I'll give you a couple examples like so i'm on you know the product management team and i'd say about a third to maybe a half of the product managers uh, at shopify have formerly been founders of companies Inside of the company, we also allow every employee to run their own store. And we actually have legitimate like real businesses being run by employees on Shopify. It started off as just like a a little perk of being an employee, but we like we have employees with making like hundreds of thousands of dollars on their shop. And I think like it just permeates the walls in terms of the feeling of making something out of nothing and the the independence that brings you as an individual. And why that sometimes for entrepreneurs and these people building these businesses, it is often more than just the money, but also that sense of independence. And I think that really resonates with everyone at Shopify. And it also does give us that sense of deep responsibility because it's not just a paycheck to a lot of the merchants on our platform. It is like, you know, without sounding kind of too hippie, it's like a way of life for a lot of people. It's, it's meaningful to their own self-identity. Uh, and, and we resonate with that.
0: And I noticed that when I was in the offices, that you, you get that real deep sense of, of culture and you know team, and it does seem a way of life, and much that you see, I don't know, but the likes of Google and Apple and places like that, you're very much creating that, which is great, right? On the product side, like just talking about some of the new stuff that's coming out, a lot of people are talking about Headless right now. I wonder yeah. if you wanted to talk to that and the PWA aspects around that which is a pretty hot topic in the e-commerce space. Yeah, it's funny,
1: headless really made a big name for itself this year uh, kind of out of nowhere. We've been enabling some forms of headless commerce for for years. Like we've always had ways for merchants to extend and customize like from scratch get down to the, like the nuts and bolts of of their store's data and be able to cust- like just build completely bespoke things on any stack. You know, three years ago now, launched uh, our storefront API, which is based in GraphQL, which has really, really driven uh, or picked up a lot of adoption just because of like how performance matters so much on the online stores and how GraphQL is really built for enabling performance. It's something that's growing. It's fascinating to us that you know some of the mega trends that we see are are that the the technical sophistication of merchants is rising pretty quickly.
0: Well, I suppose you've got the two categories, right? You've got the merchant that's going to want to use your the themes and and you know take that and build something very very fast, and that's mm-hmm. enough, right? That gives them a really good a really good store, and and that takes them so far. And that just to explain the headless, you know, as I see it, right, that that's really giving you ultimate flexibility about how you want that storefront to look and behave. That's the uniqueness, right? So Shopify is sitting underneath enabling you know all aspects of that, the catalog and. The, the cart, the checkout, etc. cetera, it enables that the real uniqueness of brands, which is becoming, uh, I'm sure you agree, for the D2C market, so much more important in differentiating against the likes of the marketplaces, right? So they're able to do this at the moment on Instagram, places like that. They want to mm-hmm. do more of this, I think, on the e commerce side, right? And it goes beyond a, a photo or, you know, a font type. Would you agree that, and that's when the oh, is coming in? You know, yeah,
1: the the headless gives you the flexibility to create an experience around around your brand or your products that can't really be rivaled if you're just showing up as a, a you know one list item in a, in a in a marketplace. And I think that fundamentally has always been like, aside from you know buying necessities and commodities like toilet paper and toothpaste. Been a, a lot of like what drives consumer purchasing behavior is like the emotion that you're invoking around your brand, around the experience of interacting with your stores, and also the products themselves. Like, the, when people buy products, they're also voting with like what how they self identify. Often, the depth of that connection with the consumer and what they end up buying, like, be like, we have to give businesses and merchants flexibility to put their best foot forward in terms of how. That's presented. So I I do think that it will actually like I'm so always fascinated by different ingenious ways that merchants and partners alike are using headless commerce. Like that, that notion of like, okay, there's this flexible platform underneath in the data there. There's a scalable checkout that enables us to handle like, you know, thousand checkouts a minute or something like that. And then there's all these incredible APIs and SDKs to create experiences on different platforms and different forums. Like the storefront API is is one side, that's just like the product data and whatnot. But then we've invested in our mobile SDKs, our AR and VR side. We really just always want to be at the forefront of like, what could be the, the popular consumer surface areas of the future and experiences, including physical retail. And how do we give best in class ways for merchants to make that whatever they want.
0: And I saw some in the, uh... AR side, and I went to the Code Commerce in New York, uh, Kara Swisher. there was a Shopify guy there talking about the AR side and that seems to me to be incredibly exciting and when you look at the, the kids coming up today, they I mean, I have teenage children, they're all over the VR stuff oh, yeah. and they're just they're completely into yeah. it and it seems to me that, that shopping within that environment would in a way decimate the mall but in another way bring people back to the mall right? Like yep. I, I think it goes both ways you know and, and but it, it's, it's going to be a very different world and different landscape. Do you think that Shopify is gearing itself up for these next revolutions that are going to happen and and is able to to take advantage of, of that?
1: Well, absolutely we are. I, I think that that's our job, right? Uh, we, like when it comes to AR and VR and in commerce, it's really not about if it's about when uh, like anyone that's experienced even a demo, right? Knows that there's something just incredibly powerful and unique about, about being able to experience like bridging basically like walking into a store and touching something versus like looking on a screen or a phone and you're, you're getting so much closer to the former without even necessarily needing to leave your couch. And and that's just so powerful. So we need, no, we need to in the long run invest in those things. And that's why we started a long time ago. Like we had an AR and VR team like set up and working maybe like five years ago, six years ago.
0: So you're, you're dealing with the current products and when the current products going, but you're also investing in what is the product going to be in three, five, ten years time? Is that fair to say?
1: Oh, well, for sure. In that time frame, sometimes, oh, well, sometimes we debate about even going further down the line. But what's interesting about something like AR and VR, it's like it's not even just the technology to, to of, of like how those products get experienced and displayed. It's actually about the entire supply chain, so to speak, of how merchants can get their stores, their brands, the the infrastructure required to get there. So like you have to 3D model all your products. That's really hard to do and expensive right now. But when you look at cost curves over time, like we expect that's gonna drop by a factor of 10 every couple of years, right? And eventually it'll be pennies per product. And are we working with the right partners, whether they're they're experts doing it themselves or through an API some some apps uh, being able to do that at scale are we are we enabling that infrastructure to set us up and set our merchants up to do it at scale Because that's the big thing like we don't want to invest in something that only 1% of our merchants with a lot of money are able to do like how do we actually bring that technology to the million merchants? Yeah. That's a very different type of problem
0: That's no, really interesting. Well we've got a couple of minutes left I, I mean there's a I got a couple of questions and maybe quick fire ones right? Uh, Instagram you know with the DTC thing it, it seems to me that Shopify was very intertwined with Instagram for a long time and indeed still is right and we see Instagram moving more towards the commerce space and you know with their own checkout and stuff like that and I wondered you know on the Shopify side whether or not you see that as a threat or opportunity or whether or not you see it seems to me that at some point in the future you know even if you look at the VR there's a potential for Shopify to become an Instagram, and and in a way a marketplace. And I wondered if you you know want to speak to any of that.
1: Sure, I I think when it comes to Instagram and Facebook, the the parent, we've had a long history and great partnership with them. We were first knocking on the door of Facebook Commerce back in two thousand like 13, 14. uh fourteen. We've been working across like our exec team and their exec team for. For many many years, and we have high alignment along a lot of how we see technology and product and where the world is going. I I think for us, it's it's when you talk about is it a threat or or whatnot. it, It that's not really the question we focus on. The question we focus on is like what is important to our merchants, like what actually matters to them in terms of succeeding. If Instagram and being on Instagram's native checkout or whatever it may be is the thing that they need to succeed, then that's what's most important. Our business is going to thrive be,
0: beyond that like it, it, yeah, beyond yeah. that in any case yeah. right um
1: None so what, but it. what's most important but what's most important is that merchants always trust that shopify will have their interests that's the long-term thing uh, that our product always has to, to represent yeah
0: absolutely yeah. and then um should we just briefly discuss black friday i mean i mean i don't know from the development kind of tech partner sphere that we sit in you know you guys have been flooding twitter <laughs> so, yeah, it's our. Right. I mean, it's our it's, Super it's Bowl. Great. Yeah, it's our Super yeah, Bowl. No, it's it's uh, and the, yeah. The stats that you're sharing. I mean, I was actually surprised that you even shared some of them. But I, I don't know <laughs> if you want to point point some of them out. I mean, I, I was looking at you know what is it total sales two point nine billion. Yeah, up a up a billion on last year. Yeah,
1: is that yeah, just up a a billion. Yeah, this stat I'm just doing off the top of my head, so we'll verify if it's exactly true. But like when we look at North American commerce over that that time frame like shopify is pushing like 10 percent now of all of it which is sort of incredible uh, just in terms of like the the reach that shopify has now in terms of commerce i don't have the exact specs on top of my mind but you should check out jean-michel Lemuse, our cto's twitter like he shared some really incredible engineering stats actually on just the throughput that we experienced and
0: yeah i've got some here uh 1.5 million pixels 1.5 million dollars per minute were coming through 69% of sales are made on mobile. Yes. Even that 1 billion increase if you roll back what 3 4 years, you were only doing a billion, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? So it's 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 incredible. Yeah. So things have changed, right? Like what, what what's going yeah. on around.
1: All no, that, we've really cool. found like the infrastructure and the scalability of Shopify has really become a core reason why merchants continue to trust and build on us like the nature of commerce and the world is changing in in the sense that like attention travels very fast audiences are built up and aggregated by influencers and brands in scales that have never been experienced before so like the power of some of these instagram influencers or youtubers or whatever it may be and the nature of the internet means that things like flash sales, things like high volume sales uh, in in tight time periods and your ability as an online store and and, and a payment mechanism to be able to handle that, not just number of orders over time, but like number of orders in a very small amount of time is becoming more important and strategic to the way that the world works now. Like that's just like how news travels on Twitter. That's just like how like attention is actually changing versus years ago. So What's fascinating that's that's been just a fascinating trend that you know luckily we built the infrastructure for but we see our merchants paying attention to and building their own business strategies around
0: absolutely it seems to me that you're you're helping to enable this d2c revolution as it were and that is key that people people do want to have their own identity they do want to you know find their own brands they want to find the personalities etc and you're enabling that very much in tune with the way the world is going right especially amongst the younger generation so it's fantastic to see i'm gonna let you go thanks very much for coming online absolutely overrun it it's really <laughs> interesting so i'll stop recording it but no i really appreciate it I, I don't know if there was anything else you wanted to cover off i'll be pretty i don't know if she asked you before we try to keep these very conversational so no it was great i had a lot of fun yeah cool I appreciate it. Thanks for your time and we'll we'll get this out and we'll send it over so you can review it.
1: Great. Thanks very much, Karen.
0: Thanks, Brandon. Take it easy, man.